Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Med- Medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to Murder Mile. Today I'm standing on Glasshouse Street, W1. Two streets west of the senseless stabbing of the unfortunate Mr. Johnson. 300 feet northwest of the tube stop where the cowardly killer of Camille Gordon fled. One street east of where the blackout ripper picked up several sex workers. And one road south of the possible suicide by the sportsman's mistress. Coming soon to Murder Mile. Just off Piccadilly Circus, at 32 Glasshouse Street, once stood the Regent Palace Hotel. Opened in 1915 and ran by Jay Lyons & Co., owners of the Corner House Tea Rooms. Being nine stories high, across half a square block and with over a thousand bedrooms, the Regent Palace was the largest hotel in Europe. Since its post-war decline, it became little more than a brothel, so bawdy that Canadian servicemen referred to it as the Riding School, a youth hostel for overseas students slash shoplifters. And now, its grand entrance is a showroom for UGG. Those hideous fleece-lined boots, which supposedly make the wearer look as devastatingly sexy as cavewoman Raquel Welsh in the film One Million Years B.C., but actually make them look like they've mistimed a kick of a sheep's jacksy. And being so toasty warm, they make the wearer's tootsies stink like a Neanderthal's butt crack. On Saturday the 29th of October 1932, at a little after 9.30pm, Mr and Mrs Turner of Bradford booked into room 201 on the second floor of the Regent's Palace Hotel. Not being locals, they looked as if they were here to see the vibrant sights of the big city. Kissing and holding hands, it was clear that this young couple were very much in love. And although their small suitcase reiterated to the receptionist that they would be staying only a few nights, their plan was never to leave their room, at least not alive. The suicide pact of Mabel Hill and Herbert Turner was a tragedy reported by talentless hacks, whose bile has been regurgitated verbatim as if every detail was fact. But having only scratched the surface of this truly sorry story, what every writer missed was the truth about these lovers 
and their last fateful act. My name is Michael, I am your tour guide, and this is Murder Mile. Episode 165 To Love, To Die, Together. Love is a powerful emotion, being stronger than anger and more vindictive than hate. It can turn the rational irrational in the blind pursuit of good, of bad, of joy and of pain. Even though our primary instinct is our own preservation, mistakenly believing, as if by fate, that we have found our one true love, that love can lead to our own destruction. Mabel and Herbert were two such lovers. But denied their togetherness in life, they would seek it in death. Mabel Hill was born Mabel Bentley on the 9th of December 1899 in Shipley, West Yorkshire. Raised in a two-story sandstone terrace at 2 Alexandra Road, it was the kind of place where kids play tig in the streets. The wives scrubbed the stoops till the black slate shined, and the menfolk slunk back from the pit, all soot-sodden, calloused, and hacking up coal dust, in a life without any dreams or joy. Just the endless drudgery of an everyday existence, with the majority married, as that was what was expected. As the eldest of six to her widowed mother Clara, fate would be intensely cruel to the Bentleys, as with the family being bereft of a father. Before too long, death would come for two of the children. With life being a struggle, the last of the family lived upstairs, as the downstairs was converted into a small confectionery shop, selling boiled sweets wine gums and licorice. A few doors down, at number 24, lived Herbert, the second eldest son of four boys to Charles and Augusta. And although our lovers-to-be were raised just 50 yards apart, with Mabel being 11 years his senior, she only knew him as the Turner kid, and their only early interactions was possibly as she ruffled his hair to gift him a halfpenny sweet. In later life, many would describe Mabel as matronly, as although a little dour, yet sturdily built. Being a formidable brunette, she had a steely strong will to do what she felt was right. They may have seemed like an odd couple, one short, one tall, one little, one big, but they made sense, as with Herbert being an eternal boy, she became the voice to his silence and the decision-maker as he dithered over what was best for others. Stammering a passive, yes dear, yes, dear. or a no dear, no dear, as she wiped away a tiny speck of dirt off his cheek with a hanky and a lick of spit. But as an unlikely couple, there were two opposites who perfectly complemented each other's strengths and weaknesses. Always being happy, upbeat, 
and never without a whistled ditty on his lips. Herbert brought hope and joy to her life, where Mabel saw only darkness and woe. It's unclear how much Herbert knew of her past, as having struggled with anxiety and depression so severely that her arrhythmic palpitations of her stuttering heart often caused her to collapse. She had once tried to take her own life by slitting her own throat. Mabel and Herbert's curse was that they both wanted to be loved. For him, he treasured its simple pleasures, hugging, kissing, holding hands, and making the other as happy, if not happier, than him. But for Mabel, being ever the romantic, she had always dreamed of the perfect marriage to the perfect man. But as we know, dreams are rarely attainable. And as the shame of spinsterhood loomed ever larger, as this 25-year-old singleton was left on the shelf, fearing a life of loveless solitude, she did as many women do, and she settled for second best. On the 24th of May 1924, in Bradford Registry Office, Mabel Bentley married 30-year-old Herbert Victor Hill, and the two moved in together at nearby Seven Daleside Road. As romances go, it was fine, perfunctory, and pleasant. But lacking any spark, whether love or friction, although they would remain good friends, they drifted apart. And following a mutual agreement, in 1931, after seven years of marriage, they separated. The breakdown of her marriage felt like a failure. And although when she had married, Herbert Turner was nothing but a scrawny little schoolboy, having returned to her childhood home, the boy had become a man, and as the two locked eyes in church, a new love had begun to blossom. It was a love which would lead to exquisite happiness, but also their deaths. With Mabel still legally married, although an amicable divorce looked likely, living barely a few doors apart, they had to keep their love affair a secret from the local sticky beaks and wagging tongues. In their own words, they became sweethearts. Two lovers who nipped off for sneaky walks, slipped each other love letters, and snuck down alleys for a quick peck on the cheek when no one was looking. It may seem tame by today's standards, but in a small town, a little scandal can have big repercussions. No one knew about Mabel and Herbert, not their friends, their families, nor her ex-husband-to-be. By the start of October 1932, having barely been together for six months, they believed that they had found their one true love. 
this was it. Their search was over. And being so besotted with each other that they could see nothing but a life of eternal bliss. Their talk turned to their future together forever. But it was not to be. On Tuesday the 18th of October 1932, less than two weeks before their fateful decision, Mabel met her husband Herbert, as they often did, still being friends. Over a cup of tea, he mooted the thought that maybe they should get back together. As in his eyes, the marriage wasn't dead, but in hers, it was. According to the law, the sanctity of marriage was paramount above everything else, including her happiness and wishes. And as the separation was mutual, with no accounts of infidelity, cruelty nor violence, she could not divorce him. So blinded by love, Mabel and Herbert saw only one way out of their troubles. As being denied love in life, they would find it together in death. On Saturday the 15th of October 1932, Herbert was fixing a car at Sherborne Garages on Town Lane in the village of Idle, where he worked as a motor mechanic for W&W Heggs. Walter Heggs, the proprietor, liked Herbert. He was quiet, a little frail and easily led, but a good lad who always worked hard. Mid-afternoon, Herbert piped up. Mr. Eggs? Yes, lad? If, uh, if I needed to destroy some puppies, would strychnine do? Which may seem an odd thing to say, but back then it was perfectly fine. No, lad. The best thing you can do is drown them. And with that, Herbert thanked his boss and carried on with his job. But the demise of these doggies weighed heavy on his mind. At a little before 5pm, George Leslie Todd, a local chemist, parked his car at the Sherborne garage, as per usual. Asked the same question, Mr. Todd replied, No, son, you'll want some prussic acid. And with its purchase being legal for everyday means, Mr. Todd reassured him, Pop into me shop tomorrow and I'll sort you out. It was a casual transaction, made by a chemist and a customer, many times prior for enough poison to kill a litter of puppies, or two persons intent on saying goodbye. On Tuesday the 18th of October at 11am, Herbert entered Mr. Todd's chemist shop at 17 Bradford Road. As he was legally obliged to, the chemist filled in the poisons book. October 1832, Mr. H. Turner, HCW formula, destroyed pups. It was signed H. Turner. 
in a scrawl which would later match the register at the Regent's Palace Hotel and the suicide note he would send to his mother. And having paid two shillings, one for each life, he was handed a small green bottle with a double dose of cyanide. That night, back on Alexandra Road, away from the prying eyes, Herbert met Mabel in secret. I told her I got it. And she said, all right. All right. We didn't take it then, because she suggested we should come to London and do it. I agreed. I gave her the bottle. And she kept it for safety in her handbag. As agreed, Herbert told his mum and dad that he was going away with a friend to Blackpool, a local seaside town frequented by millions every year. And although it would be too bitterly cold for a swim, as his trip would coincide with the famous illuminations, his parents weren't worried about their boy. In fact, having asked their permission to go, his father gave him a few shillings to make sure he had fun. On Saturday, the 22nd of October, we went to Blackpool together and stayed at the Granville, Herbert would state. We stayed there as Mr. and Mrs. Turner, and we occupied the same bed. Many hotels would refuse an unmarried couple a bed, so the ruse was a sensible precaution to stay low. With only a week of life before their demise, they made their final days as special as possible. With walks on the beach, eating candy floss and riding roller coasters by day, as by night, they lay cradled in each other's arms as Mabel's matronly chest enveloped Herbert's head with a smothering love. It should have been the perfect start to a tragic end. And although Mabel had told her mother that she was going to Blackpool with a girl pal, she also felt obliged to send a letter to her soon-to-be ex-husband. On the day they arrived, Mr. Hill received a handwritten note telling him where she had gone and that she was planning to return by next Tuesday. Only her sign-off caused him great concern given the recent decline in her mental state. As it read, Please forgive me if you can. Goodbye. Love, Mabel. On Sunday the 23rd of October, having scoured the streets of Blackpool in search of the woman who was still legally his wife, on the seaside esplanade underneath the illuminations, Mr. Hill spotted the sturdy shape of Mabel walking hand in hand with a small young man who he later found out was Herbert Turner. Amidst the roar of trams and the screech of seagulls, Mr. Hill harangued Mabel in public as there was no way he was going to grant her a divorce, not now, not ever. It was a bitter fight in which Mabel gave as good as she got. But as was his way, 
Herbert stayed silent, not wanting to be a bother. And needing to have this out with her husband once and for all, Mabel sent Herbert back to the boarding house. Only this was just a ruse, as making the excuse that she needed to use the loo, Mabel slipped out of the cafe's back door, and unable to find her again, Mr. Hill returned to Bradford as the two lovers went to London. On Monday, the 24th of October, Mabel and Herbert arrived in London. It was the perfect place to hide out, as being a gargantuan metropolis, which fizzed with a dizzy blur of passing people, too busy to stop and talk. Even if her husband went looking for them here, he could stand right next to them and never see them. To keep their profile low, for several nights they stayed at an unnamed hotel at 28 Bloomsbury Street, signing in as Mr. and Mrs. Sinclair. There they saw the sights. Buckingham Palace, Big Ben, the British Museum, and savoured many pleasant meals at the Lion's Corner House tea rooms, always splitting the bill. On Saturday the 29th of October, feeling a greater sense of security and freedom, they moved to the slightly less affordable, but certainly more resplendent, Regent Palace Hotel, just off Piccadilly Circus. The beds were cosy, the rooms were clean, the fires were soothing, and with a phone and a bathroom on every floor, a maid was on hand to connect your call, or to run you a bath. At 9.40pm, Irene Hewitt, the reception clerk of the Regent Palace Hotel, welcomed two new guests. A larger lady in her early thirties, and a shorter man just out of his teens. Giving their names as Mr. and Mrs. Herbert Turner of Shipley, he signed in. They said they planned to stay at least one night, maybe even two and as the only luggage they had was a small battered suitcase and a handbag which she clutched to her chest as tightly as any stranger in the big smoke. They were handed the keys to room 201. Having entered the lift, as the lovers ascended to the second floor, they held hands and smiled as he whistled a cheerful little ditty. Sunday the 30th of October 1932 was their last day alive. So as money no longer had any meaning, they splashed out. They ate the best food that their finances could afford. They went to see a western show, maybe the cat and the fiddle at the palace, or tell her the truth at the Savile. And by all accounts, they looked happy and devoted. Holding hands and kissing, as they shared the last treats 
from a box of Swiss chocolates. At 6.15pm, a large parcel and two letters written on Regent Palace Hotel, no paper, were received at a local posting sorting office. Addressed to their mothers, Mabel's letter read, My darling mother, I hope you'll forgive me for what I'm about to do. I can't think of another way out for a bad girl. I've caused you enough trouble in this world, and I hope the good Lord will forgive me. I'm broken-hearted at what I've done, and the world is well rid of me. Goodbye, mother, and try not to worry about me. Give my love to Clarice, Alan, Ralph and Grandma, and yourself, and my dear husband, who was too good for me. Your broken-hearted daughter, Mabel. Her handwriting was neat, her spelling was good, and there were no corrections or mistakes. Herbert's letter read, Dear Mother, Can you ever forgive me for the trouble I've caused you? For by the time you receive this, I shall not be on this earth. Please don't blame anyone for what I'm doing, as it is all my own fault. I'm sending you my things on by parcel post, and please give them to Roland, as that is my last wish that he should have them. And please tell him to cheer up. Also, please ask Father to forgive me, as I've been a rotter to him. No doubt, you'll know who I'm with, but please do not blame her as we cannot live without each other. Your loving son, Herbert. Kiss, kiss, kiss. His letter was hesitant, messy, and having struggled to write his suicide note. This wasn't a first draft. It was a third. At 9pm, they returned to the hotel. But only one of them had no plans to leave. Twenty minutes later, as if to cleanse himself of his sins, Herbert asked the chambermaid to run him a bath. She did so. He said thank you. Thank you. He washed his woolen vest, his socks and his pants. And having returned to room 201, he placed his wet undergarments on an armchair beside a roaring fire. Dressed in his blue patterned pyjamas, being sat on the bed, he saw that Mabel was dressed in her best clothes. A black dress with a yellow trimming and light coloured stockings with her hair neat, her makeup on, and a set of pearls which hid a faded scar from an earlier time when life got too much. Only she wasn't dressed for a night on the town, but to check out of life once and for good. While I was in the bathroom, she had placed the poison on a table near the bed. There was already some poured into two glasses. There was more in her glass than in mine, 
I picked up the bottle. It was empty. I then went to the bed and we both lay down. The moment had come. A farewell to their sadness and a hello to their happiness in the life ever after. We got ourselves comfortable and bid each other goodbye. Sharing a last kiss in this life and sealing their love in the next. She took hers first. Raising a glass tumbler to her lips, Mabel swigged back the colorless liquid with a faint blue hue and flinched at its taste of bitter almonds. She handed me her empty glass, which I put on the table. Cursed with a weak heart, she died within the minute. And with his lover truly gone, I took my poison and drank it. On Monday the 31st of October at 8.45am, having received a parcel and a deeply troubling letter, Herbert's father called the hotel, demanding to speak to his son. Upon their door, a chambermaid knocked three times, but got no reply. So she entered the cold, dark room, softly cooing, Sir, a trunk called for you. Only neither stirred, as the two motionless figures lay on the bed, holding hands in silence. As the chambermaid reached over, she touched Mabel's face and saw that she was icy cold. But seeing a flicker in his eyes, she realized that Herbert was still alive. At her autopsy, detecting a purplish hue to her lips, neck and upper arms, rigor mortis determined that death had occurred 12 hours prior. And with no signs of a struggle, no smell of cyanide on her breath as it evaporates quickly and an empty green bottle beside her. Suicide was suspected. At Charing Cross Hospital, as a precaution, Herbert had his stomach pumped and was injected with adrenaline. As a medic stated, he was apparently unconscious. With his colour good, his breathing fine, and his heart soft but regular. The woozy lad complained of a burning at the back of his throat. At the back of my throat. But when the doctor looked, there was no burning, nor signs that he had taken cyanide. But was this a mistake, fate, or deliberate? On the 13th of December 1932, at the Old Bailey, Herbert Turner was tried on the charge of feloniously and willfully murdering Mabel Hill by administering poison, at which his terrified lips quivered, not guilty, not guilty. but as the death sentence loomed, 
So terrified was this frail boy that he collapsed in the dock. Seeing through to the very heart of the evidence, John Maud, his solicitor, pleaded to the jury. It is clear that this woman had worked on the boy's mind by her suggestion of suicide until he became obsessed with the idea that there was nothing worthwhile in life but death. As a happy little lad who was easily led, but never once had a dark thought or spoke of suicide, Herbert had always put others and their needs before himself. And even when stressed, he would never speak up or answer back, as his way of coping with life's worries was to whistle a cheerful little ditty. As a voice, when his silence said little, she decided to buy the poison, she decided to come to London, she poured it out, and although dressed for death, Wearing his pyjamas, he was clearly dressed for bed. Her letter to her mother was neat and direct, but his took three attempts, the last of which was a muddle, as if he wasn't fully committed to the terrifying prospect of death, but he didn't want to disappoint her. And besides, if he was really suicidal, why did he wash his pants, socks and vest and then hang them out to dry? Found guilty, Herbert Turner was sentenced to death for Mabel's murder. But with the jury making a strong recommendation for clemency, Mr Justice Charles commuted his sentence to life in prison. you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with juvederm volure xc for important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And that's it, folks. Oh, Christ. That started well. Then my recording just I kept tripping over words. I guess I'm tired. Very tired. Oh, Ooh. time for the regular murder mile yawn. I almost said lawn. Then I haven't got a lawn. How are all you murky milers? You all good? The murky milers, the people who stay to the, to the bitter end, not the people who switched off already sod them uh this is extra mile for people who don't know this is the extra bit what happens i have a bit of a waffle uh I, we do some quiz questions if you like a little quiz that's going to happen in a bit and then there's some extra stuff uh to do with this case which probably didn't make it into the episode uh, i i'm yet to edit this episode so some things might get edited out of this episode um let's go and pop on a tea because i'm still on a diet actually no i'll treat myself to a nice tea so moving away from the microphone a little bit you can probably hear a, an annoying uh, motorbike in the background. Someone seems to have bought a new motorbike with a loud, noisy engine. Uh, and they're roaring up and down the roads like a sad little bastard going, hey, Look at me, everyone! Ooh, look at me! Ooh, loud bike! Ooh, loud bike, small penis! Ooh. Yeah. Ah, bastard. Get a job! Uh, so uh, there we go just making a tea obviously powdered milk as always coming back so cool it's really cold today isn't it he says I don't know where you are you could be in the middle of a heat wave over here it's cold it was it was it hit the minuses last night so what's going on at the moment busy week busy week obviously I got a bit of an eye infection last week uh one of my eyes just went really really red and horrible and bloodshot it's really horrible so I spoke to him luckily I've got a really good eye specialist and he was like I gave him all the symptoms and he was like right you need to take your lenses out you need to put this stuff in you need and I was like oh no I've got I I, I can't I can't survive without my lenses because I've got really 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 bad eyesight not when people go oh I can't see anything without my glasses and you ask them what their prescription is and they say minus one and you go well piss off minus 12 try living with minus 12 I, ca I can't even see the end of my nose uh and i have my lenses tailored towards uh, reading screens so i can't see distance so i can't drive anymore but that's fine who needs to drive anyway without my lenses in i can't see anything so i've been really stuck but so i did a couple of days of rest in my eyes uh but yesterday was really good uh i can't say much about it but i've been uh, i was called into work as a consultant on a very very high profile podcast very exciting uh i i was a big fan of their first series uh they're doing a second series uh, weirdly i already knew the producer uh she'd already been on my walk a couple of times and we she'd interviewed me years ago about something so uh they called me in uh and it was really good we had a really good day uh i walked them around all the sites and all the the different locations that they need to know about and then we sat down and we did some interviewing which went really well. I don't think I gave particularly good answers, so I re-recorded them in my in my home studio last night, and I've sent them off to them. Uh, so that's going to be good. Their their podcast is it, it, theirs takes months to do. Uh, so theirs is coming out in October. So I will tell you more about it then, which is very exciting. Oh, I haven't put this on my list, but this is exciting. So 
Uh, I'm going to put a link in the show notes. Mike self uh, put a link in the show notes. Show. Um, so, myself, Paul from the True Crime Enthusiast, uh, and Adam from UK True Crime, the three of us, the dream team, uh, we're all coming together and we're doing a live show. Uh, the first one is going to be uh, end of June uh, up in Glasgow. Oh, shit, it's snowing. That's why it's so freaking cold. Uh, end of June, uh, we're going to do a show. That ha- click on the link in the show notes. You get all the data in there, everything that's in, in there. Really good venue. Uh, this is going to be the first one. Um, if it goes well, we're already... I think tonight we're having a catch-up. We're going to do a catch-up about other venues. We're going to do a London one. We're going to do one near Paul, so that might be Liverpool-ish. Uh, so it'll be three across the country. If they go really well, the idea is to do more, so we'll do more across the UK. And if that goes really well, the idea is to do uh, some overseas. We don't know anything about those yet, so don't don't ask us for dates. Don't go, oh, when are you, when are you coming to Atlanta? I don't know. I've just picked that off the top of my head we don't know we, we literally all we know is glasgow at the moment so uh but if that but if that goes well uh we haven't thought about uh, uh filming it yet and screening it this is all too technical this is just early days but if you want to come and see us live that'll be great we're doing a show called how to plan the perfect murder and then totally balls it up so that's going to be good looking forward to that uh thank you to new patreon subscribers thank you so much uh uh new patreon subscribers are rita virgos i hope that's pronounced correctly um it could be virgos i should have asked or i should have double checked i've had such a horrible week and because i haven't had access to i haven't been able to use screens so i haven't been able to email anyone it's, it's been a real nightmare so thank you new patrons so rita virgos uh honor honor osborne how can i not pronounce these names uh sharon brereton and diana matos so thank you so much for that thank you for becoming patreon subscribers uh hopefully you enjoyed last week's uh all the crime scene photos for that one i think they were quite interesting about the uh, lap dancing club uh, you can see them all there all this snow there's loads of snow chucking down uh and a thank you uh to sally norris as well for your very kind donation that's very much appreciated I would spend it on cake, but I'm two weeks into my diet now. It's still going well. I'm dropping weight, which is good. I'm not as fat and bulky. No cake, no chocolate, uh, no wheat, except last night because I got in late. So I I bought a little pizza, a little stone-baked pizza, so it's not too bad. Um, But it's weird being on the diet because I don't really... I don't really eat many uh, processed... I don't eat processed foods anyway, but no fats. Uh, And I had a bit of peanut butter last week, which I put on a rice cracker, and it burnt the top of my mouth. So it's amazing all the fats that you eat on a regular basis, and you think, meh, that's nothing. Do you know, uh, you just absorb it. But um, um, you eat it, and, you you know, nothing happens. But it's it's like, I know that if I get some chocolate now, if I eat some chocolate, the the fats in the chocolate will burn my mouth. Uh, had the same about two years ago where I went off ice cream for a bit and then I tried like a Ben and Jerry's and I was like oh god it's like all the fats just went burnt my mouth so I had to go and get uh, some of the Swedish glass which is very nice very nice uh, uh, vegan ice cream vegan ice creams are really good not not the cheapy ones the cheapy ones are dog shit but the um, some of the higher quality vegan ones are really good and you don't get that burning sensation in your mouth that you do with uh, animal fats let me just go on uh so obviously no cake of the week because uh, I'm not eating cakes so yeah no cake of the week although um, to make sure I have a little little bit of bad in there I've, I've bought some some relatively healthy flapjacks 
because obviously flapjacks have goodness in them. They have, they have a kind of like syrup in them as well. But you know what? That's not too bad, given the fact that I'm barely, barely uh, eating anything chocolate. I'm not eating chocolate. I'm not eating biscuits. My only real treat at the moment seems to be uh, rice crackers. But uh, I've got to do that to keep my weight down because I was a big old blubbery bastard. Ugh, look at that. That powdered milk has settled. Right. Coming back. Let's open the windows and have a look at the, the, the snow, as uh, people would say up north. Not snow, but snow. Oh, look at all the snow. Uh, right. Okay, let's do quiz questions. Don't forget, uh, I might ball some of these up. I might edit out the questions. Uh, I might ed edit out the answers in the show, so we don't know. Right, question number one. What is the name of the road that Herbert and Mabel lived on? Question number two. What did Alice's mum convert the ground floor of their house into? God, i got hiccups now. Question number three. What year did uh, the Regent Palace Hotel open? Question four. By what nickname did Canadian soldiers refer the... By what nickname did Canadian soldiers refer to the hotel... Refer to the hotel as... Uh, when it was little more than a brothel. That was just a badly written sentence. So when it was little more than a brothel, when Canadian soldiers turned up, what would what nickname would they give the hotel? <sighs> Question five. What did Herbert do as a job? Herbert. Question six. What was the name of his employer? Question seven. What was the name of the boarding house they stayed in in Blackpool? Question eight. What shop currently occupies the ground floor of what was the Regent Palace Hotel? Question nine. Uh, they signed into two other hotels as Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. Turner, but what other name did they use? And question ten. Eva is a goddess, yes or no? That's the most important question. So, uh, let's let's dive into some extra stuff that probably wasn't in the episode. Uh, so, uh, when the chambermaid came in, I think her name was uh, Olive, uh, they, she thought they were just sleeping or just heavily sleeping. She approached the sleeping woman, she touched her cheek, and she said instantly she felt it was icy cold. Uh, she said, it gave me an awful shock, for it was obvious that the woman had been dead for many hours. I noticed a flicker in the eyelids of the man, but he was unable to speak. Mabel was fully dressed on the bed and he was wearing his pyjamas. Um, in the chest of drawers, which was the, the top right-hand drawer, was a bottle laid prussic acid, uh, which is another name for hydrogen cyanide. Uh, it had been sold by Todd of Bradford Road in Idle. Uh, and an attempt had been made to obscure the address by rubbing it with a pencil, although the address could still be read. We don't know who did that. Uh, there was an empty glass on the shelf so this would have been the one that uh, Mabel had drank and given to Herbert and he put it on the shelf and some broken glass on the floor as uh, one of the empty tumblers was was on the ground and had smashed so uh, that's more likely to have been Herbert's one uh, what else is there uh, 
the uh, man's coat on the back of the door. So that was Herbert's coat that was hanging on the back of the door. Uh, there were two notes found in that pocket. These were the drafts of his suicide note, both of which started with dear mother, dear mother. Uh, one asking for forgiveness uh, and and both suggested the contemplation of uh, committing immediate suicide. Uh, the uh, the letter and the parcels arrived separately. So uh, even though this was a Sunday, this was back in the days when in the UK, when you could actually still send post uh, on a Sunday and it would arrive on Monday. Uh, also, this is an era we don't have it anymore, but we used to have an era where you'd have two parcel deliveries a day. So you get your posts and then you get your parcels. So that's why they received the letter first. And then at 11.45 a.m., which I haven't put in the episode, that's when they received parcel uh, afterwards. So they received the concerning letter and then Herbert's father tried to make the call uh, to the hotel to get through and then he received the parcel, which contained a lot. I think I've got a list of what was inside in the uh the chambermaid immediately called for for assistance and a doctor and the police arrived uh hotel authorities called dr leopold mandel of 81 harley street at 8 40 a.m he arrived at 8 55 and he was the house physician for strand palace hotels uh who um uh jay lyons and co owned uh strand palace so they own a series of hotels in the area one of which is uh this one another of which is uh, was the Cumberland Hotel, which is Maison Lyonnaise, the Blackout Ripper one, and another one is the Strand Palace Hotel, which we're going to come to in a later episode. You're welcome. Um, they said Mabel had been, uh, been dead for several hours. Her skin showed discoloration. Her skin was unusually livid, and there was froth coming from her mouth and nose. There were no signs of a disturbance or struggle, uh, but the man was still alive. Uh, her rigor mortis had set in, and there was a lack of colour... Uh, a lack of odour of hydrogen cyanide to her breath, which happens after a couple of hours, uh, even though it's got a very strong, bitter uh, almond smell. After a couple of hours, it disappears. And cyanide is almost entirely uh, disappears from your system afterwards. Um, when they took Herbert to hospital, his colour was relatively good. His breathing was regular. His heart was soft, but regular. Uh, doctors gave him a, a direct, an injection of adrenaline uh, uh and they said he returned to consciousness. Uh, but uh, when they were there, they said um, everyone stated he was apparently unconscious slash dead. And it's just that apparently that's slightly worrying with that. Um, when they looked in the room, there, there was uh, the, the, both tumblers were totally empty. We only know how much he says they drank by how much Herbert said she drank and he drank. But... How much did he drink? Did he drink any? Or did he tip it on the floor? We don't know. Uh, he may have drank a little bit, and therefore, which made him woozy. Um, he was wearing his blue pyjamas with a blue striped top. It was basically a pyjama suit. Uh, Mabel, as mentioned in the episode, she was fully dressed, except for her shoes, which were underneath the bed. Uh, she was lying on her back uh, with one of her hands crossed over her abdomen, and they were holding hands. Uh... The bottle was labelled poison one ounce, which is effectively eight lethal doses. Uh, in there was his, uh, uh, in the room, his gents' shoes, his socks with suspenders, because that was the era, a lounge coat and a vest, which was drying, a soft collar and tie and a gentleman's raincoat. 
uh, what else we got? Let's see down here. Hospital. He was taken to Charing Cross Hospital, which is just at the back of the Strand. Um, uh, she, uh, uh, Mabel's body was kept in situ and was photographed by the police. In the in the uh, files, there were no uh, autopsy or crime scene photos. Uh, sometimes they're not there. Uh, Dr. Mandel called the ambulance at about 9am and they arrived at 9.10. Um, body was determined as extinct and was removed to the hospital after it had been photographed. Uh, as mentioned, Herbert's stomach was washed out, i.e. pumped. Uh, and he, they said he appeared to regain consciousness after that. He complained of a burning at the back of his throat, but there were no signs of burning. The doctor, uh, Frederick Janish, said there were no signs that Turner had taken the prussic acid, the hydrogen cyanide. Uh, the doctor received contents of the stomach washing and found no traces of prussic acids, uh, oxalic acid or carbolic acid. Um, he tested for all three just in case Herbert thought that he'd taken prussic acid, but he'd actually taken a different acid by mistake. Uh, but these proved to be negative. Someone on a tiny little motorbike is going up the canal. Wee Sounds horrible. Uh, inquest was held at Westminster Coroner's Court by Ingleby Oddie, who we've heard about many times before, on Friday the 4th of November 1932. That's when it opened. Uh, and it uh, concluded on the 23rd of December 1932. That was uh, that was when it was closed uh, after the uh, guilty charge at the Old Bailey. Um, the autopsy of Mabel uh, was conducted by Dr. J. F. Taylor of St. George's Hospital. Uh, said that she died of the effects of hydrogen cyanide poisoning. The absorption of poison uh, is so fast that you don't even need to swallow it. Uh, don't forget she'd taken more than double of the lethal dosage. So you basically you put it on your tongue and it just absorbs. Uh, but Mabel did die fast uh, because she had a very weak heart. Uh, slightly larger lady, um, but also being of a, quite a nervous disposition. Her heart was not in a particularly good way anyway. She was prone to passing out. Uh, what else we got? What else we got? Uh, obviously, there were... Uh, talk, um, Herbert's uh, blood work and the contents of his stomach were sent to Dr. Jocelyn Patterson of Charing Cross Hospital. He was the head of biology. Uh, uh, and he said, it's a man called Jocelyn, uh, said there were no traces of prussic acid in Herbert's system or any other poison. Which is why I say, did he take the poison? Did it just dissipate by that point or did he take no poison at all? Uh, everything seemed to match. Uh, the hotel receptionist identified them. Uh, his his uh, Herbert's uh, handwriting matched the letters and the the signing in on the address book. So everything everything is always right. All the fingerprints in the room are correct. So the, the, there's nothing suspicious about this. It's not this is not a suspicious death of someone's trying to fake a death. This really is this really is what it is. A kind of a meant to be a suicide pact, but. Was she the one that dri was driving it? Uh, did he agree to it? Because he's kind of, as they say, a little bit easily led. Did he kind of, did he back out at the last minute? Um, Mabel's death uh, was caused by cyanide poisoning, shock, and and cardiac failure, uh, i.e., chronic disease of the heart. Uh, cyanide was detected and detected in her liver, kidney, stomach, and stomach contents, unlike Herbert. Um, and they were able to calculate what was left at that point was about 0.6 grains. Um, 
uh, one grain is 65 milligrams and three milligrams is enough to kill. So she got a lot in her system, which is why she died. Uh, at the autopsy, they confirmed that she had a light scar about two and a half inches along under the left-hand side of her neck, just below her ear. Um, there was obviously no swelling to that because this was an old injury, uh, but this was where she tried to cut her, her throat previously. Her heart was already enlarged. She had thickened valves. Uh, her muscles were thin uh, and her heart was fatty with lungs congested. Her liver was enlarged uh, and her spleen was fatty and enlarged as well, uh, even though she was quite, as they say, uh, strongly built. Committal was held at uh, Marlborough Police, uh, Marlborough, Marlborough, Marleybone, Marlborough, Marlborough Street Police Court. And he was originally charged uh, of murder by administering poison. Uh, what else is an investigation? What else haven't I told you about this case? Uh, when he was, um, he, when he was in uh, Charing Cross Hospital, they had uh, uh, a policeman keeping an observation on him all the time because he was there for a little while. Uh, when Detective Sergeant Patterson turned up, uh, he said that Herbert seemed very conscious and appeared quite sensible. Uh, Herbert stated, I expected you would come along. We agreed to die together. I expected you to come. We said we should do it about a fortnight ago, uh, as we knew there would be nothing between us and she's married. I got to know her after her husband left. I didn't know him by sight. Uh, as it, This is nice. Um, Mabel's mother uh, wasn't informed by the police at that point because they were kind of doing their pieces together. Someone from the Yorkshire Post doorstepped Mabel's mother, knocked on the door and said, Did you know that your daughter is dead? What have you got to say about this? as journalists do. So the police hadn't actually had a, had a moment to call and, and let her know your daughter is dead. Uh, personal items were returned, um, even though Mabel had written a little letter saying, I want everything left to my mum. Because of the way the law was, everything was returned to her husband because basically everything that was hers was her husband's possessions. Uh, so Mabel left behind two rings, uh, a necklace, the handbag and the contents, as well as her personal clothing. Uh, and Herbert also had a green fountain pen. What else have we got? Uh, oh, he, uh, 2nd of November. So this is after he's released from a uh, hospital. He's taken to Vine Street Police Station at 10 Vine Street, which is at the back of uh, Piccadilly Circus. Uh, on the morning at 10.30am, Divisional Detective Inspector Jeffrey Nurse and Detective Sergeant Barrett took Herbert's statement, which I can read in a bit. Detective Divisional Inspector Nurse uh, said that when he arrived, he appeared to be very cold. He was shivering. In the crime scene, they found a wet woolen vest and they asked him if he was in the habit of wearing a vest. He said, yes, but I washed it and left it uh, in my bedroom. It was on the kind of an armchair near the fire. A DI nurse thought it odd that a man contemplating suicide would have a bath and wash his vest, which makes sense. They did look into the idea that maybe he had attempted to drown himself in the bath, but it just seemed entirely unlikely. So Herbert's statement that he did at uh, Vine Street Police Station on the 2nd of November 1932. I won't do the voice. I have known a girl named uh, Mabel Hill, sometimes known as Mabel Bentley for seven months. Uh, we live near each other and have been sweethearting. On Saturday the 22nd of October 1932, we went to Blackpool together and stayed at the boarding house. We stayed there as Mr and Mrs Turner and occupied the same bed. 
We left there on Monday, the 24th of October 1932, and came to London, where we stayed at a hotel at 28 Bloomsbury Street as Mr. and Mrs. <laughs> we occupied the same bed. See, I'm getting good at this, he says. I'm about to balls one up, aren't I? Uh, on Saturday, the 29th of October, we left there and we stayed at the Regent Palace Hotel as Mr. and Mrs. Turner. We occupied the same bed in room 201. I know that Mabel Hill was married and she was, and we were very fond of each other and this caused us to be very happy. Unhappy, sorry, not happy. Um, about a fortnight ago at Shipley, uh, we thought things over. It's, it's interesting reading his statement because you'll see a lot of she said this, she said that, we thought this. It's always what she says first and then we thought this. There's very little I. About a fortnight ago, we thought things over uh, and we were so unhappy that we decided to commit suicide together. Mabel Hill really suggested that we should do it and I agreed and became determined that we would. She suggested we should take the poison. So I went to a shop of a Mr. Todd, a chemist in Idol, and brought some prussic acid and signed the book in the name of Herbert Turner. I brought prussic acid because I work at a garage in Idol and Mr. Todd came into the garage one day and I told him I wanted to poison two dogs. He told me to come to his shop and he would give me some prussic acid. I went to the shop to get it. Originally, the uh, uh, the chemist shop owner said, if you want to poison some dogs, just bring them in and I'll poison them for you. Uh, and Herbert said, no, no, no. The owner of the dogs uh, wants to see the dogs poisoned, so I need to do it elsewhere. It's all very weird. Uh, I told Mabel I had got it and she said, all right. We did not take it then because she suggested uh, we come to London to do it. I carried the poison about me for a day or two and then I gave it to her. I don't know where she kept it, but I know that when we left Bradford on the 22nd of October, she had it in her handbag. And since that date, I only saw it once or twice in the handbag. We visited several theatres in London, spending a month, uh, uh, spending her money and mine. I paid the expenses uh, which we shared. On Sunday morning, I wrote a letter to my mother saying that I was going to commit suicide and asking for her forgiveness. Mabel Hill wrote a letter to her mother. I don't know what was in it. She did not tell me. I started to write two other letters to my mother, but I didn't finish them. I don't remember what happened to them. I think I put them in my pocket. On Saturday night, I had a bath and upon my return to the bedroom, we began to discuss suicide again. We were running short on money. While I was in the bathroom, she placed the poison on the table near the bed and there was some poison already pulled out into two glasses on the table. There was more in her glass than in mine. I picked it up. I picked up the bottle. It was empty and I put it in the drawer. Uh, I then went to the bed and we both lay on it. I was nearest the wall. We got ourselves in a comfortable position and bid each other goodbye. She took hers first and handed the empty glass, which I put on the table. Then I reached over and took my poison from the table and drank it. I do not remember what I did with the empty glass. I don't remember any more until I was on the way to the hospital. I had previously, previously sent home some dirty clothes and had some washed myself. I have never thought of suicide before she suggested it. What else have we got in here? The trial, trial, October. It was literally a short trial. Uh, 13th of December 1932, he pleaded not guilty and no evidence was presented by the defence uh, as was his right. Uh, as mentioned, Mr. Maud said, uh, Turner loved Mrs. Hill passionately. Uh, was it not clear that this woman of 32 years uh, worked on the boy's mind 
uh, by her suggestion of suicide until he became obsessed with the idea that there was nothing worthwhile in life and the best thing was that they should both die. Uh, Judge Charles said Herbert was somewhat frail in mind and the woman, 10 years his senior, was a woman of determination and strong character. But whether he was weak or strong, whether he was overborne by a woman into into a suicide agreement did not matter. The real question was whether the woman died from prussic acid poisoning or whether her death was accelerated by it. Uh, If they found that although intending to die by poison, she actually died by heart disease, it would be open to the jury to find that there was an attempt to murder. Uh, So that's what the case was really all about, was... um, uh taking the poison was it was it the poison that killed her or was it her weak heart um he was found guilty he was sentenced to death this was an era of death sentence but the jury strongly recommended mercy um the jury stated we are agreed that prussic acid self-administered was not wholly but a contributing cause to the woman's death and we find him guilty with a strong recommendation of murder uh, Justice Charles forwarded the recommendation on on the back of his own recommendation uh, for mercy to the Home Secretary, uh, Sir John Gilmore, who advised the King, and it was agreed. Uh, Mabel's body was returned back to Shipley. Uh, the, retu- the funeral took place in Nabwood Cemetery in Shipley on Saturday the 12th of November 1932. It was held in secret. Uh, so much so that even the neighbours were kept in the dark about the arrangements until the uh, funeral cortege drove by. So there's a man walking past singing to himself and he's got an awful voice. Uh, the only mourners there were her mother, Herbert Hill, her two brothers uh, two other re- and two other relatives. Uh, Herbert, sorry, uh, Herbert Hill obviously is her uh, husband. Uh, and the her- obviously, as the hearse went down the street, it went past Herbert Turner's house. Uh, and I think that's it. I think that's it. We. I've had a look around this. The, unfortunately, there's a lot of Herbert Turners around there, so I don't really know what happened to him afterwards. Um, did look, but no details. Uh, and that's that. So let's do the answers to the questions because it's cold. Go oh, my feet. My tootsies are cold. Really cold tootsies. So just scrolling up. Fortunately, there's a lot of notes. Right. Let's do the answers to the questions. Let's see how many you got right. Question one. What was the name of the road that they lived on? I probably just fucked that up. Uh, It was Alexandra Road. Question two. What did Alice's mum convert the ground floor of their house into? It was a sweet shop. Ooh, sweeties. Question three. What year did the Regent Palace Hotel open? 1915. Which is a great time for a pub to open because it's the uh, start of World War One, So uh, it must have been a struggle. Uh, question, four t- question four. What... Oh, yeah, it's that question again. Uh, question four. What was the nickname that the Canadian soldiers referred to the hotel as when it was little more than a brothel? They called it the Riding School. Lovely. Question five. What did Herbert do as a job? He was a motor mechanic. Question six. What was the name of his employer? It was Walter Heggs. Question seven. What was the name of the boarding house they stayed at in Blackpool? It was the Granville. Gee, 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 Granville. Uh, question seven. What was the name... 
I've just done that one. Question eight. What shop currently occupies the ground floor on what was previously the Regent Palace Hotel? It is UG. Question nine. They signed into two other hotels as Mr. and Mrs. Turner, but what name did they use in the other? It was Mr. and Mrs. Sinclair. And question 10, the most important question of all. Eva is a goddess. Yes or no? I mean, the answer is obviously yes, isn't it? The answer is yes. Uh, if you said no, if you scored any questions right, you lose all of your points. They are for, they are gone forever. How dare you? If you said yes, you get a gazillion points. Gazillion, bazillion, million points. Of course. Because that is just the facts of life. So that's that done. Hope you enjoyed that. That was uh, that episode. Uh, we're back next week for another World Parter. <sighs> Have yourself a good week. Stay safe and be good. Lots of love. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.